Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman-Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. Not everyone is aware about the services that are offered. So just like you said, knowing that it exists, you're able to ask the right questions, and then you could get directed in the right places. Although you should certainly be seeing an ophthalmologist or some other medical professional if you have some vision problems, what we'll learn from this episode is that there are other resources available that those people may not tell you about. We'll speak with Neelam Patel, a low vision specialist, about the wide array of services and resources available. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip came out of our conversation with Neelam Patel. As people lose their vision, particularly later in life, there are a lot of resources and services available to them, but they might be somewhat reticent or reluctant to get involved in, in working with some of these services. I wonder if you have any advice for overcoming that reticence. Uh, of course. When a lot of clients, they lose their vision later in life, they are very I don't want to say afraid, but they are reluctant to start the services because that means that they're coming to terms with their vision loss. And there's a whole aspect of that. But the truth is that the sooner they do start, the sooner they can get the services that they need. And it's just it makes a big difference. So it's really just about when you notice that you have those vision difficulties to get started, not to spend too much time. It's just about starting the services as soon as you can, basically. Yeah, a lot of people just don't realize how helpful it can be until they've been through the program and realize what a change it makes in their life. Exactly. Because a lot of people, like I said, they don't want to start it because they think that it's admitting that they have a visual impairment or sometimes they don't want the devices because they don't want other people to know that they have a visual impairment. But the thing is that when they do use it or when they do start their services, they realize that it does make a difference and that can really help them in their day-to-day life. So it is about starting the services as soon as you can and just getting the help that you need to be independent and to really do the things that you want to. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Neelam and learning about how she got into the field of providing low vision services to those who could benefit from them. Hi, my name is Neelam Patel. I am a certified low vision specialist, and I'm currently working for Vision Loss Rehabilitation Canada. Is that organization related to the Canadian National Institute for the Blind? Exactly. So it is a part of it. Before, it was all called Canadian National Institute for the Blind, but then they became a separate organization from it, and now it's called Vision Loss Rehabilitation Canada. That's more for the services that are offered now Whereas the CNIB, that's more um, with the different devices that you can purchase. It's just a separate organization from it now, whereas before it was together. So they became separated from them. And tell us a little bit about your training and background and how you came to be in this position. Of course. So first, I did my bachelor's at McGill. I did it in sciences. And then after, I went on to Université de Montréal, where I did my master's degree in vision sciences and that's where I specialized in low vision and then after I went on to do my certification exam where I became a certified low vision specialist. 
This must be a pretty rewarding job in terms of being able to help people and making a real difference in their life. Of course, like I said, um, it's, it's really interesting when people come to you, we discuss some of the difficulties that they're having. And then even the smallest little changes that we can bring, it makes a really big difference in their lives. And um, they're able to see it right away. Their families are really happy. And it's an amazing experience, of course. So I gather you're sighted. Had you had interactions with people with visual impairments before you decided to get into the field? So when I was growing up, I actually used to work at an optometry clinic. And there was an optometrist there who was specialized with low vision. And so when I was still deciding what I wanted to do, I did shadow him for a little bit in his low vision clinic. And I was just able to see the difference that he was able to make in the lives of people with visual impairments. And it kind of just encouraged me to go into that field. And then when I did a little bit of research and I found this program that was being offered. And then after I just applied and I fell in love with it, exactly like everything that we get to do, the changes that we get to bring, it's an amazing program. You are also competing in the Miss Canada pageant. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, sure. I am competing in Miss Universe Canada this year. Um, basically, it's different. It's You have contestants from all all of the different provinces, they come together and everybody has a different platform. Since I do work in vision care, mine is about advocating for vision impairments, anything vision related. That's basically what my platform is all about. Well, and that's a great way to raise awareness of these issues that you are personally helping to resolve. Exactly. So that's that's the whole point. That's what I'm trying to do this year. It's really about letting people know about the services that are available, how to help each other. A lot of clients are not aware of the services, and that's really a shame because there is so much that we can do. It's just about raising the awareness that vision impairments, that is a real thing. A lot of people have it, and it's about just helping them in any way we possibly can. Well, good luck with that endeavor. Thank you. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is the array of services and resources available from low vision specialists. So many people, particularly if they're starting to have some vision problems later in life, are familiar with ophthalmologists optometrists, opticians, and the like, but they may not have run into low vision specialists. Can you tell us a little bit about what the differences are and what services you're likely to find at each type of person? Of course. Yeah. So an ophthalmologist, they're more the professionals who do surgeries. And then there's the optometrist, like you said, who is at the local clinic. They're able to prescribe glasses, visual acuities. Um, then there's the optician who works more with the glasses, and they're the ones who will adjust the glasses, make sure they fit properly, make sure you have the best glasses for yourself. And then we get more into the low vision aspect of it, where the low vision specialist, we usually work with people who have visual impairments, and we look at different types of things with them. So the first thing is we can look at magnifiers. And so when people come to the clinic for us, it's people who already have these impairments. 
and they've been referred to us by the other specialists. And then we try to work with them with other things just to help them use the vision that they have left and to make the most out of it. Usually, like I said, it's with working with magnifiers, trying to fit the best one that fits their needs or other types of non-optical techniques that we would go into. So just discussing things like contrast with them, lighting, these are all different aspects that a low vision specialist can do. And many of those aspects, it's been my experience that ophthalmologists and some of the other professionals we talked about, they just don't know about a lot of these resources or they're not very knowledgeable about how these can help change people's lives and make them lead their daily lives a little bit easier. Exactly. So again, through my experience, a lot of ophthalmologists and optometrists, they would tell their patients that there's nothing more that they can do. And then that's why people like I, I had in the past as well, I've gone to give presentations to explain that that is not true. There are other things that can be done that can be further done. It's just sometimes it's things that you don't really think about. And that's what we as low vision specialists, we do. We try to move more towards other changes that we can do to help the client. Basically, the medical professionals are telling the patients that there's nothing more medically or surgically that they can do to improve their eyesight. But then people like you come along and say, well, there's lots of things we can do to compensate so that you can function as if you had better eyesight. Exactly. So that's exactly it. It's not, we can't make your vision come back, but we can make adjustments to the environment. We can make different types of adjustments so that you're able to manage with the vision that you have left. That's what we try to do at our clinic. And in particular, resources like the ones that your agency provides is a bit of a more holistic approach in terms of not just making people see better or being able to read, but making these adjustments so that they can live their lives a little bit better and they have less trouble doing the things they want to do. So they really look at how a person wants to live. Exactly. So when I do my initial assessments, usually I would ask the clients, what is it that you want to be able to do? Or what is it that you used to do that you feel like you can't anymore? And that's what we always base it off of is what does that person want to do to be more independent, to get back to their lifestyle? And then we try to find ways or adjustments that can make them a little bit more comfortable doing that again. So that can involve anything from being able to cook or being able to garden or just anything in the house, basically, that they feel like they used to enjoy before that they can't anymore. So it's just about finding that middle ground to kind of help them do the things they wanted to. And there are also many ways to skin a cat and to solve a problem that needs to be solved. So you you talk about different types of solutions depending on a person's need and what they want to do. And I think you've broken these down before into categories like low vision aids versus digital aids. Can we be a little bit more specific about what are the types of adaptive aids and changes that you can help people make? Yeah. So in the clinic, we, well, the first thing that we can look at is the magnifiers. There are so many ranges and different types of magnifiers that some people don't realize. First, um, we can look at things like pocket magnifiers. So those are the ones where if you're going to the store and you're having difficulty looking at price tags or expiration dates, 
these pocket magnifiers you can bring with you and it just makes the shopping part a little bit easier. We also have handheld magnifiers. There are stand magnifiers. So for people who want to be able to also write, if they have a stand magnifier, they can write underneath the magnifier. So that way they're able to see it a little bit better. And then we also have video magnifiers. So these are basically, it's, um, it's like a video type of device where you can use technology and it makes everything a little bit bigger. It's similar to a magnifier, but it's more with a, with a screen on it. These are more optical. There are different types of filters, sunglasses that we look at. We can look at telescopes together. And then the more non-optical portion, that's about making the environment more accessible. So if someone has difficulty, let's say, pouring themselves a glass of water or coffee, there are little devices called a liquid level indicator, for example, that you could put on the cup and then it would make a sound when you reach the top of the cup so you know when to stop pouring. Pete uses his finger for that, and you should hear the sound if the coffee reaches his finger. But that's what I mean. The finger technique, it only works if the liquid is cold. If something is hot, we don't encourage people to put their fingers in. (laughs) And a lot of those that you just talked about are relatively low-cost solutions that are easy to acquire. Exactly. So especially the ones that are non-optical, these are very cost-efficient Even if sometimes people have difficulty using their kitchen appliances, we would be able to put little bump on stickers on certain um, buttons and that way they're able to feel it instead of having to struggle and see the number. So it's just little, little things that we can do that really help a client. If they're having difficulty, for example, knowing what time it is, we have different things like talking watches. So they can just press a button and it will tell them the time. Yeah, we have those kinds of aids all around the house. Nancy has put little buttons on the dial of our washer and dryer so I can tell where to turn the dial. Exactly. So those little changes, it makes it's basically adapting the environment. And that's a change that really helps a lot of clients. And it enables a person to be a lot more independent in their own house. Exactly, because then they don't have to wait for other people. They don't have to ask. Because I know a lot of my clients, they tell me that they don't always want to have to ask people for help. So this way, they're able to figure it out on their own as well, and they just feel more in control. So back to the optical devices, you were talking about magnifiers and illuminators. Um, Many smartphones have functions that will do some of that. How do you feel about using a smartphone app versus these independent devices? So the smartphone apps are perfect. Again, you can definitely use those. It's just that a lot of clients, especially the ones that are elderly, they don't always have smartphones. And I've tried to recommend smartphones to other people in the past, and they get confused because a smartphone has so many different functions and icons, whereas the video magnifier, it's just for one purpose. So that way they know that if they press this button, it turns it on, and then they have the ones that magnify. So it's just more easier for them to use if they're not used to a smartphone. But again, smartphones, the apps that are on it are definitely a perfect way to go as well. They are very helpful. You can have so many different apps on it that can also make it a lot easier for people. And it's good that there are several alternatives because some people aren't quite as comfortable with technology as others. So it's nice to know that there are some simple solutions that aren't very complex. 
that's exactly it. It's like I said, with the smartphone, a lot of elderly clients that I've had, they get confused and they don't feel comfortable. Whereas the video magnifier, it's one or two buttons on it and they just feel that it's a lot easier for them. So it really depends on what the client wants and what they feel comfortable with. We always try to give them a range of different options and then they pick the one that works the best for them. What other kinds of aids and appliances do you recommend to people? Well, for the computer, if some people have been using the computer, there's different types of softwares that I know that are very useful. We have something called Zoom Text. And Zoom Text, it's a software on the computer where you're able to enlarge everything. You have audio output on the computer. You can change the contrast, the pointer size. It's basically like the accessibility features that are on the computer, but it's a lot better, I want to say, in a sense, because you're able to do a lot more. It's a lot clearer. The quality is better. So there's that software that is available that a lot of clients do use on their computer. In terms of other types of devices, there is something called a CCTV. That is basically, it's a type of magnification that comes with a screen. And that stands for closed circuit TV. Yeah. So it's basically, you're able to put a book, a letter, or anything on the on the bottom of it. And then there's a screen that is connected and you're basically able to see it in larger font. You can increase the magnification. So this is more if you want to be able to read a book, let's say, or a letter that's long and a magnifier, it's just too small to do that continuous reading. So in that case, the CCTV, it just makes it a little bit easier. You can change the contrast. I know a lot of clients, they use it to look at pictures as well because they want to be able to look at pictures from the past. So they're able to just put it on there and they could magnify it. And it's a lot clearer for that. And that can also be a lot more comfortable way of reading. I remember when I was young and I had limited vision, they didn't have these technologies. And I was always squinting and putting my nose up to a piece of paper on a desk and hunched over in odd positions and being all sore by the end of the day. But with these new technologies, just sitting back in your chair, relaxing, looking at a screen with enlarged text can be a very nice way to read material. Exactly. And then when our clients, they get something like a CCTV, we do go over how to sit comfortably at it. Because again, you don't want to be hunched over. You don't want to have a sore back. It's all about being positioned well and then being able to be comfortable when you have that continuous reading to do. Well, and these devices have come a long way since the early days. I remember Pete's earliest CCTV and the camera with its lens were almost as long as his arm and the screen on which it was projected was, you know, it was the 1970s. It was one of these CRT television screens. The thing took up half of the room, but it worked. Okay. There's so much, uh, the technology, like you said, it's come a long way. A lot of people, they just need a desk now for it and they're able to comfortably sit and have it there. (laughs) The screens are a lot nicer. They certainly are. And there are lots and lots of options. I mean, we just covered a full range of low-tech devices, portable devices to more sophisticated devices. But, you know, these things aren't something that someone can go down to the local Best Buy or Walmart and see. Where do people get an opportunity to learn about some of these devices and try them out? Again, so a lot of the devices that we show Usually our clients, they do get a referral. And then when we see them in the clinic, we're able to show them all the devices that are there. 
and that way they can try it out as well. Magnifiers, a lot of clients before they see us, they said that they've purchased them from let's say Dollarama or other stores as well. But the thing is that sometimes the magnification isn't exactly what they need to be able to see. And it's just, it's not as clear. So we do recommend that, of course, you can definitely buy it from anywhere the clients want to. But if you really want to have a specialist look at it, or if you really want to get the one that's best suits your needs, it would be recommended to see a specialist. And the best way to go about that is when you do see your ophthalmologist or you do see your optometrist to ask them for that referral to go see a low vision specialist. Now, in addition to showing people the variety of these devices that might be helpful to them and showing them how they work, helping them choose one if they want one. You also talk with them about how these devices might be used in their daily life and how they might change in their daily life. How does that happen? You take them into a mock home or something or how does it work? You go to their place? Yeah, of course. So sometimes when they come to see us, we do ask that they bring a few of their own materials with them, different things that they want to be able to read. So that way we're able to see if the devices that we're using are going to be useful for them when they go back home. And sometimes we have other specialists as well. We have the independent living specialist who is able to go to their homes. And then when they're at their home, they're the ones that are going to be applying the little bump on stickers to their appliances. They're the ones that can show them different types of, let's say, if they have difficulties in the kitchen, they would show them cutting techniques, how to cook, how to measure people. So we do have a specialist that goes to people's homes just to show them how to be safe and how to um, adapt their environment. We've talked about an awful lot of different things that you do as a low vision specialist. Could you summarize the major types of services somebody might want to make use of when their vision degrades? So like for, for Vision Loss Rehabilitation Canada, we do have different service providers. So we do have the low vision specialist, like we talked about. We have that independent living specialist. We have an orientation and mobility specialist who works more with the orientation aspect. So if someone has difficulties going from their home to the local bus stop or anything like that, the specialist, they would go to with them and they would show them how to use a cane, for example, and just give them little tips and tricks. We also have an assistive technology specialist. So they're the ones that would work more with the different softwares or the different computer services that can be offered. So there's a lot of different ranges of specialists that we have. And depending on, again, what the client wants and what their needs are, we would refer them accordingly. And presumably you've got a full range of services so that people first come to see you when they are classified as low vision. But when that amount of vision has deteriorated to where they need speech output and other adaptive aids, you can just forward them on to the next level of services. Exactly. So there is a whole range. A lot of people, again, they think that you're either sighted or you're not. But the truth is that there's a whole range of vision. And depending on where the client is and what their needs are at that time, we can refer them to the appropriate services. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about services that are available for people who are losing their vision and how to contact Neelam Patel directly. So if people want to find out more 
about these rehabilitation services, where would you direct them? So I guess it depends on where they live. If it is in Canada, then you can definitely go on the Vision Loss Rehabilitation Canada website. Um, if you want to look at different types of devices that are offered, you can even go on the CNIB website. There's a whole shop online. You can look at the devices that are there and just browse through it and see if there's anything that interests you. And those websites are? For the vision loss rehabilitation, it's just visionlossrehab.ca. And then for the CNIB one, to see the devices, you can go on shop.cnib.ca. And if people want to submit a question by email or telephone, how would they do that? You can email info at vlrehab.ca. Does either organization have a social media presence? They do. I know that CNIB does have it. I follow them as well. They have it on Facebook and on Instagram. If people wanted to contact you directly, would they be able to do that? Yeah, that's fine. So you can definitely um, contact me through Instagram as well, which is just Neelam Patels. Or if you feel more comfortable with emails, you can email me at neelam.patel at vlrehab.ca. Can you spell that? Yeah. So it's n-e-e-l-a-m dot p-a-t-e-l at v-l-r-e-h-a-b dot c-a. We talked a lot about the resources that are available in Canada. I wonder what you would recommend for people who live in other parts of the world, how they might find such services in their area. Okay, so that's the thing. I'm not too sure about the services that are provided in other countries, but definitely when you do see your eye care specialist, whether that is an ophthalmologist or an optometrist, you can ask them about the low vision services. They should be able to direct them directly. Um, It is a service that is there. Sometimes not all professionals know about it. So that's why we do recommend that you ask them the next time you're there for those services because at least that way the professionals can look it up and then they would be able to refer you. I guess just knowing that such services exist is half the solution. Exactly. Not everyone is aware about the services that are offered. So just like you said, knowing that it exists, you're able to ask the right questions and then you could get directed in the right places. And as usual, you can find all of that contact information and much more in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. Another resource that might be useful for people is the search field on our website. If you enter a keyword or topic or show number into the search field, you'll come up with a list of shows matching those terms. And you can look for things like reading, low vision, and other topics that might be of interest to people with vision problems. So try it out. That's it for show number 2027. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the case for and against service animals. There was a time that a service animal was a trained and certified guide dog for the blind. Now it seems that service animals are everywhere and the rules of acceptance have become considerably relaxed. We'll speak with Denny Elliott, a blind professor of media ethics, about what has changed, the implications, and what we can do about it. We hope you'll join us next week for that episode. 
You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy, and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.